My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Hey, my friends. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Healthy Brain Podcast, the place to connect for real talk about dementia. What better way to start this day, y'all, but with a special guest who gives a piece of her heart away in every raw food dish she prepares. Her kitchen is the hot spot for clean, organic foods for healthy eating to keep our brains moving and grooving. She started the city's oldest organic co-op 20 years ago. She's fed the city's professional soccer team, caters to many medical professionals, and generously feeds the homeless. Welcome to the show, Pat Greer. Thank you so much for having me here, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, so excited you're here. So, Pat, I hear you grew up in North Texas with fried chicken and okra, cornbread, black-eyed peas, collard greens drenched with all that lovely bacon fat. And you've been quoted saying, I didn't even know what fresh spinach tasted like until I was in my 20s. So, Pat, when did you change your diet? And why? I probably changed my diet when I first had fresh spinach. It wasn't an instant thing. I think it was a gradual piece. My oldest daughter got into organic foods before her first pregnancy and took a permaculture class. And everything really just took a direction from there. About that time, I'd gotten into a raw food diet. And it all just started coming together. You know, that big ball that rolls down the hill. Yes. Yes, ma'am. So you had mentioned to me that your mama had Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. 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 Something. She Mm -hmm. might have been misdiagnosed or possibly. Yeah. She was diagnosed in the eighties and I had her undiagnosed. I said, get it off of there because I don't believe it and we're going to move on from here. Yeah. So how did you take action? I Uh, food and nutrition, except she was in Dallas where I grew up and I was in Houston. So I was having to go back and forth and deal with her still being able to drive. So I would make food every time I'd go up and enough for four or five days, and then I'd go back up and make more food. And that worked until she stopped eating anything except those little cinnamon rolls that you get three or ten for a dollar or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. So did a doctor recommend? I'm just curious. No, um, no, 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 no. You no, kind no. of researched yourself. I just, things just made sense. Some things have just always made sense to me. So. I made lots of greens and took the sugar out and we stopped using bacon fat. I don't even remember when. I don't even remember when. And just encouraged her with the things that I knew she'd like to eat and made them healthier. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad, too. Yeah. She had a rapid decline when my dad passed away. Mm. So. So sorry. So I know that you're an incredible chef. And you just work wonders in that kitchen. So let's talk a little bit about the ingredients you put into your foods that you and your awesome staff prepare. You know, we started with organic crackers. That's dehydrated crackers. So flax seeds and leftover produce from the co-op until we got into national distribution. And then we're more specific about our ingredients, but always maintained organic ingredients. So in our cookies and crackers and all the food that we prepare, it's fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds. And that's it. Oh, gosh, it sounds so good. So no white flour. No white flour. Do you have some almond or coconut flour in there? When I make some of the cakes that I make, Mm -hmm. you know, specialty cakes, I'll have almond flour and coconut flour. We are experimenting local organic rice grower who does his own milling and is doing rice flour. So I'm doing some experimenting with that. And I am using some oats and some of the baked goods that I'm doing now. Everything's gluten-free. That's awesome. Yeah. Love to hear that. I have a gluten intolerance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's awesome to hear. So how does our body respond to this clean, organic, healthy foods? 
I can speak for myself and the stories that I hear when people come in. Like just a couple of days ago, I pulled up with a truckload of stuff to unload and I hear this pat, pat. And I looked around and in a car was a young man and he was there with another man. And he said, this is my dad. And then his dad just started telling me his story. He goes, I started eating food, fresh food and just vegetables about a year ago. And he goes, it's just changed my life. And I had a man call and order a birthday cake a couple of days ago. And he goes, you know, a year ago, my girlfriend had her birthday. She ordered a carrot cake from you, which is essentially carrots and pineapple. (laughs) And he said, I just decided that very day that I would just eat vegetables. And that's all I've done for a year now. And he goes, he just stopped talking. And he goes, I said, how's it been for you? And he goes, I can't even say how incredible it's been and how great I feel. Yes. And that's the key. How great you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, when you take out all those processed foods, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much out there, right? So, in fact, we might have a few little samples here this morning that I'm dying to taste. And I know all about this strawberry cheesecake, mm-hmm. but I haven't tasted it yet. Oh, my gosh. I've been reading oh, about good. it. Oh, yay. Okay. Well, that's fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> listeners, I'm really sorry that y'all aren't here. I know y'all are missing out, <laughs> but I have got to taste this. And I'll let y'all know what it tastes like. It's a cardamom cookie, and Mm. that's going to be your spoon. Okay, so what's in this cardamom cookie? The cardamom cookie has sesame seeds, it has dates, it has raisins, it has apricots, sesame seeds. There's cardamom, of course. There's cinnamon. I think that's about it. Oh, my gosh. And the cheesecake is made with cashews, organic agave, nectar, organic strawberries. The crust is pecans and dates. Okay, so I just licked that strawberry cheesecake off the cracker. It's so delicious. I'm so glad. You can taste that graham cracker and that strawberry taste. So this is real strawberries in there. Look, I'm mm-hmm. just double dipping. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's yours. So you just double dip all you want. Oh, my gosh. So y'all need to taste this. Y'all need to try this out. Is this online? The strawberry cheesecake? No, I'll tell everybody how the ingredients and it's really, it's got to be You're going to share with us? Of course, of course. Oh my gosh. The crust is just pecans and dates and it's just ground pecans and ground up dates and we put them in the food processor, blend them together, press that into the bottom of a pan. It's the filling is cashews, agave nectar and water and you don't need much agave nectar or honey or whatever it is you use because cashews are so sweet. Yes. That's where I say it's here's the ingredients and then it's your personal recipe. And the topping is just strawberries blended. Yeah. And so you know, healthy. This time of year is still a little bit early for strawberries. We're maybe a third of the way into the season, so they're not real sweet yet. Mm-hmm. The local strawberries that we're getting. So you can add a little bit of honey. You can add a little bit of agave nectar or whatever sweetener you use. I am a fan of honey. I do prefer vegan food. You can use dates to sweeten. I mean, there's so many ways that you can sweeten something that is so simple. Mm, I just took a bite of that cracker. Yeah. Mm, I love dates. I make some of my balls, some of my Mm -hmm. fat balls with dates. They're so great. With the seed, that is the best cracker. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Okay, I'll have a couple of dozen of those. Good, good. (laughs) Okay, Pat. So, I'm sorry, y'all. She's still (laughs) chewing over here. It's okay. Mm, So good. I don't want to give it up. So, Pat, would you like to share, I'd love for you to share a story or two of how you've seen food be the medicine for individuals with illness. You mentioned a little bit earlier. Dr. Baxter Montgomery here in Houston. I love him. Want to have him on the show. Delightful, delightful man. And before he came out, so to speak, about everything he was doing, he would tell me some things he was doing. He goes, don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. Don't tell anyone. But he knew 
decades ago that eating vegetables was going to make a difference for heart patients. Yeah, he's a cardiologist. He's a cardiologist right here in Houston, Texas, and has stuck with that, knowing that that's what really heals people. In the integrative medicine department at MD Anderson, which is part of their palliative care, interestingly, they have known Alejandro Chaul, uh, Dr. Cohen, Lorenzo Cohen. Dr. Cohen and his wife have written a book about cancer and how food is such an important element to it. Yeah, I saw that online. Yeah. But I've been following Baxter Montgomery for a while. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you were aware of him. He's got a kitchen. Oh, yeah. Give him a little plug. He's got a kitchen in his he clinic. Does. He does. Never he heard of such a thing, but I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the stories that I hear from people is just the amount of energy that they have. And there's a point that their bodies, our bodies, crave something healthier. Mm-hmm. And it truly, truly is taking the things that we know and then just changing the ingredients. I mean, we serve pizza. Our crust is made with a portobello mushroom. Yeah. The cheese is made with sunflower seeds. So there's just taking the things that we know and altering it. And it may take a few times for the body to say, I want that instead of that. There's this funny book out years ago that I got for my granddaughter when she was going away to college, and it was Do This, Not That. (laughs) And it was a grandmother's stories for her grandchildren about do this, not that. And it was funny, but we can apply that to everything we do, all of our food, everything we're consuming. And I'm talking about the energy that we consume from other people too, because nourishment comes from so much more than just the food that we put in our mouth. Mm -hmm. It's the people we are associating with. It's the words that we hear, the words that we can take and process in our brain quickly and put back out in a positive way. So the first ingredient in everything that we do is love. Yeah. And the FDA says we can't put that on our labels, but I know it and you know it and everybody yeah. that's listening knows it. Yep. Some of our first spots. We're bo- going to just have to have a little talk with them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, goodness. So when you're talking about the medicine for talking about people and their stories mm-hmm. that they feel better, are they aches and pains going away? Do you see Aches and pains are going away. Symptoms, memory problems problems, that there's so many way to address that. And I, unfortunately, I don't have as much feedback as I would like from folks that are doing that, you know, working with their family members or as an individual working with dementia care. There's a wonderful book out, Healing Alzheimer's by a man probably 30 years ago, and he took care of it with supplements and eating differently and everything. So it's a personal path for everyone. Yes, and yes. I know that with my mom, when I finally moved her in with me, I was eating just a raw food diet. So I started incorporating some cooked foods and things just for her. And I could see the difference in her skin and in her hair and those kinds of things. Mm. There was a point that I didn't think I could do it anymore. We all kind of reached those. And I put her in a facility for a short time here in Houston, and I just couldn't do it. So she wasn't there too terribly long, and I brought her home again. Yeah, yeah. It's- and the food there was very different. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute. Now, Pat, let's talk about this whole organic thing going mm-hmm. on. If someone were to say to you why there's no such thing as organic, the regulations are not real strict here in the U.S., so therefore many of the farmers are getting away with labeling their crops as organic, how would you respond to that? I would say, because I get it all different kinds of ways, that exact same piece, that you have to know your farmer. You have to know where your food's coming from and trust their heart, go visit their farm. Go visit. That's the key right Mm -hmm. there. Because people that are open and willing are open and willing. A lot of farmers are not going with the organic certification because it is incredibly expensive. I did it with all my crackers in the beginning, and it was a fortune back then. 
And so farmers truly, with all the regulations that they face, it is very difficult for them to have an organic certification. So if you're buying locally, you can ask your farmer. You can go visit your farmer. They'll tell you their practice. And conventional farmers will too. They will be very open about what they do and the reason that they do it. So you have to make the determination on what you can. The Environmental Working Group is an amazing website and organization that tests foods every single year, fruits and vegetables, and they may have expanded that to tell you the 12 things that you always must eat organic and the 15 things that it's not as important because there is no pesticide on it anyway because, you know, like mango, it's kind of like a weed. Gotcha. So. Mm -hmm. But broccoli, yes. Broccoli, yes. <laughs> Strawberries, yes. Yeah. Oh, strawberries are dirty. Mm-hmm. So are apples, aren't they? Apples, too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking you're not a fan of GMOs, what you said earlier, mm-hmm. <laughs> and why not? Can you tell us a little bit about the history sure. of GMOs? Because a lot of our listeners may want to know. Another argument that comes in with that is is one of the most ancient practices ever, and which is true. I can go with that. I grew up with ranchers, so I know about breeding practice and all different kinds of that and grasses and grains. And I mean, it's always been altered to give the best crop. What happened in, let's see, I believe 1935 is when DNA was discovered. And it was from there that people started altering things. So that's where genetically modified foods, genetically modified organisms, that's where really that was born because people started taking it and doing it for good. I mean, we have to look at the process that it was intended for to do good things for people, to take away disease and and pestilence and all these things. It took a big turn a number of decades later and greed kind of came into it. And I think that that's where GMOs really got off track and has affected so many people's lives. Jeffrey Smith with uh, ResponsibleTechnology.org, he has dedicated his life to educating about GMOs and the practice and what we can do and how we can test. So I'm not a fan. I believe, and this is my oldest daughter's positive self coming out in me, I try it every time I can that we'll have to utilize that science to get us back to a homeostasis at some point because Mm -hmm. things are out of whack. Yeah. So, Pat, there's a topic our listener would probably want me to address sooner than later, and that is the unhealthy foods that are being served in the hospitals Mm -hmm. and memory care homes all across the U.S. You cater to quite a few medical professionals Mm -hmm. here in the area, I understand, and I think that it's great that they want to keep healthy. Mm But I wonder if there's more than a few conventional doctors here in the heart of the medical center who's fighting for their patients' nutrition needs because food is medicine. Look, we've got to start thinking of that individual who's been diagnosed with illness, particularly dementia. There's such an epidemic. There's a disconnect with not only the doctors and patients' education of post-treatment, nutrition, and lifestyle needs. But patients in hospitals and residents in memory care homes are being served like reduced fat milk, orange jello, grape Kool-Aid, Ensure for the elderly, apple juice pudding, which does nothing but feed disease. Otherwise, patients are fed, you know, we all know what we see that chicken nuggets and burgers and fries and that whole array of disgusting foods with no nutritional value. When our loved ones are in the hospital and homes, we want the very best care for Mm -hmm. them, especially since we're paying for care. Mm -hmm. Pat, what can we do to change the mindset of profit over people? It takes one person and then another person and another person 
to keep asking questions and being safe with the questions they ask, feeling safe with the questions they ask their doctors, and change doctors. Keep looking until you find someone. It's not necessarily the youngest person. It's not necessarily the oldest person. It's somebody that is willing to look at what they are saying, how they were trained, and how it hasn't served their patients, the people that they love, the number of doctors who won't let their families eat the stuff that they prescribe is a little shocking. We have to just take one step at a time. And if a hospital is serving food that you don't want your loved one to eat, you go and you figure out how to get it up to them. If it's taking, there's always going to be something in every major hospital that someone can eat. And if it's just off the salad bar and you bring a blender in and you blend that up for somebody, then that's what you do. Bring in your own juice. That's great. I had over a year with my sweetheart having some real serious illnesses and surgeries and all this. And I had to make it work because I was living there and taking care of the dynamo when I was in the middle of it. So you do what you can. And it takes one person to make a direction change in a canoe. So, Pat, what's your take on the overall food industry? The abundance of processed foods out there on the market is absurd. Meanwhile, we just keep getting sicker. We keep getting sicker, and it feeds the profits of organizations. Within each of these large corporations that buy small companies and take over their recipes and then alter it to make more of a profit, there are good people. So we have to remember that. and feed them what we want. I think the processed food is killing our future by killing our children. And it's hurting our elderly by keeping them at bay, for lack of a better word. I mean, it just stops processes in the body. The body has to work so hard to process food that's coming in, it can't take care of the tangles that are going on in a brain, the synapses that are stopping. Because it's working so hard to process what's coming in. It's going to store it somewhere. So what do I think about the food industry? I think there's a lot of possibility for big, great change. And I see it in the small people. I got an email at 530 this morning from a young woman who I met years ago in another lifetime with Community Gardens, I believe. And then she worked with me with the feeding people during Harvey, Hurricane Harvey. And she's working with a community garden. And they have access to a house over in one of the wards, and they look like they're going to start doing a kitchen out of there and start feeding people locally and providing cooking classes and all this. It's those people that are going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. Love to hear stories like that. Mm -hmm. So, Pat, there are unconventional doctors who are speaking Mm -hmm. out and demanding change, putting Mm -hmm. an emphasis on nutrition with whole organic and locally grown foods. But it just seems that Prevention and education has been lost in the shuffle with the conventional method. In the South, we love our fried foods, mm-hmm. barbecue, and all these sugary sweets. Most people pay no attention to epidemic of chronic disease and the hundreds of dementias that are sweeping through the U.S. They're just popping the next pill, just the next pill to get through to the next week. What is wrong with this picture? Well, unfortunately, that has filtered down into some of the, and I'm using the air quotes here, folks, the healthy doctor side by using supplements. So it filters through. And while there has very often there has to be supplementation, it can start with food is what I truly, truly believe. What's wrong with the picture is, gosh, everybody, that's just way too broad. 
So many of us are accustomed to having absolutely everything we want when we want it. And it's kind of the reason my daughter and I started our food co-op, too, on her front porch was because while we were buying from a local source of our greens and things, we also needed the apples, we thought, and onions and things that, you know, year round. So we started buying from the United States. There was a supplier here that we bought organic food from. But we have that thought that we can have anything we want, anytime we want. So people want to get healed really fast. Mm -hmm. So pills may or may not do that. We don't know what so many things are going to do in the future. Ties it back into GMOs. We don't know what the eventuality of so many drugs are. And, you know, then they have to start layering. So it's just a vicious cycle. It's a tough cycle. It's a real tough cycle. What change would you like to see here? What can we do to start a massive movement to turn the tide? Because in the South, we love our fried foods. So we already went over that. We're going to have to boogie on out of here. Okay. But it's been such a pleasure sitting down talking with you about clean eating. You are making such an incredible difference nutritionally and keeping us healthy with your clean plant-based foods. It just speaks volumes. Thank you for being a part of the movement to keep our brains and bodies healthy. Thank you so much for having me here, Carrie. I absolutely love what you're doing with the healthy brain. It is a tool that we can use in so many ways, and we have to look at how we can keep it healthy. Yes, ma'am. It's not the master, and it is a great tool. So, Pat, please share with our listeners where we can find you. you got a oh, website. Oh, yes. and You've got classes, cooking classes going on and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff, girl. We do. We're at the farmer's market every Saturday, Urban Harvest, and that is at St. John's at Buffalo Speedway and Westheimer. It's every Saturday from 8 until noon. You can find us all kinds of information of all the companies that we sell to at patgreerskitchen.com. We have all the social media things, and that's just Pat Greer or Pat Greer's Kitchen. You can find us there, and we'd love to have you come visit. It's the craziest house on the block, 412 West Clay Streets in the Melodious Montrose. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. I've been there. It's just full of joy. It's We try. And yummy yes. foods, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, thank you again, Pat, for being here. Thank you so much, Carrie. I really love being here, and I appreciate you so much. If there are any medical professionals out there in the audience who are willing to fight for the patient's nutrition needs to keep a healthy brain, or if you have a loved one who's been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's or dementia of any kind and have been cured with alternative medicine, please shoot me an email at carrie at thehealthybrainpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the podcast. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.